2: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This week, I get to speak about slowing your home. Why would you want to go slow? Slow means the opposite of productivity, right? Maybe not. I get to talk to Brooke McCallery of Slow Your Home. And yes, that was uh, my attempt to do an Aussie accent as brooke is from the down under we talk about very much this whole idea of sanctuary and slowing yourself down and doing intentional actions as well as using your best tips tricks productivity hacks all that kind of stuff to get the most done that you can in the limited amount of time that you have especially when it comes to family i think you're really gonna like this one i know i did Thank you to MailChimp for sponsoring this episode. MailChimp is the tool you need to manage all your email newsletter needs. In fact, one of the coolest things that we use for the Beyond the To-Do List podcast is the cool tool that they have that turns your RSS feed, any kind of RSS feed for that matter, into a newsletter itself. So what you can do is you can plug an RSS feed like I have for my show, Beyond the To-Do List, and MailChimp will pull each new post from that RSS feed, and it will turn it into an email newsletter for you. All you have to do is pick out your template, and you're good to go. In fact, you can sign up for ours if you just head over to list.com and you can set this up for yourself by using MailChimp by going over to beyondthetodolist.com slash MailChimp. It is an awesome tool to get that new notification of your new podcast, your new blog post, your new content entry insert he- name here into the hands of your listeners, your readers, your video watchers, etc. Again, go to beyondthetodolist.com slash MailChimp. That's where you can find that. That's where you can tell them I sent you. Again, beyondthetodolist.com slash MailChimp. Thanks again to MailChimp for sponsoring this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Welcome back to Beyond the To Do List. This week I get to talk to somebody who's talking to me from the future. You'll understand that in a second. It's Brooke McCallery from Australia. Welcome to the show, Brooke.
1: Thank you, Eric. It's great to uh great to be here.
2: So we're talking and it's about quarter after three my time on a Tuesday, but to you it's five fifteen AM in the morning on Wednesday. So That's right. how's the future look?
1: <laughs> the future looks good. <laughs>
2: Good, good. Um, I've, I've wanted to have you on the show for a while. Your site, slow your home, which I can't, I can't say without thinking of Adam Sandler saying, "Go to your home" from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> Sorry, I, I said I wasn't going to say it, and I said it anyway.
1: I'm uh, so glad you said it.
2: <laughs> I can't, I can't think of it. You know, slow your home, um, slow your home is such a weird URL, but it's so appropriate. So. What is a slow home?
1: It is a weird URL, you're right. Um, but a slow home, it's a few things. Um, but it's typically a home that is relatively clutter-free, a home that works. It's the important thing is that it works for the people who live there rather than you having to work for your home. And it also, you know, it's tied up with um, sort of the eco eco-friendly side of things as well it's a it's a home that's part of a community it's a real holistic kind of um approach to how we live
2: yeah that makes sense Uh, so i feel like you're saying that your home is not just a building it's it's more than that does that sound right Exactly,
1: yeah, and I've actually written before about how home doesn't necessarily need to be a house or a building at all. Um, it can just be a feeling or a mindset or, you know, gosh, a caravan or you know a, a boat. I feel like the, the slow part of it comes in to play when you look at what most of us tend to do in life, which is rush around from one thing to the next to the next, um, and we never get a chance to just sit and be and be present and mindful. So the slow side of it comes in, um, comes into play when, you know, we, we take that time to just stop in, in the present moment.
2: So it's not just a location – like a home is not just a location. The thought I get is it's almost like a sanctuary in a sense, mm-hmm. but not, you know, not sanctuary in the sense of, oh, it's so sacred, don't touch anything. It's, it can be messy and it can be familiar, but it's still sacred at the same time. Does that make sense?
1: Exactly. That makes perfect sense. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people get caught up in um, the whole idea of it needing to be, you know, this white minimalist box kind of house. And that's not really it at all. It's about surrounding yourself with things that matter and things that you love and things that have memories attached. And um, yeah, I mean, I I do. I am personally quite a minimalist, but my kids aren't.
2: (laughs) I don't think any kids are, are minimalists. Honestly, no <laughs> no <laughs> what do, so what do you think of that word like I know you just said that you prescribe to that thought process, but is it is it about simplicity what what is it about minimalism again how do you how do you have that clash of well, you're a minimalist or or you at least uh, you know like it or think that that's a good thing to do to an extent, but your kids aren't how do you do that <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's hard, actually, it's taken me. Quite a few years. My kids are only young as well. They're only five and three. So um, it's taken me really since my eldest, uh, my daughter was born, to start to readjust, um, you know, my thoughts on that kind of stuff because before we had kids we re- we just didn't have to think about it, you know. We just did what we did and it was fine. Um, but now we have two very small and lovely tyrants, um, you know, <laughs> sharing our home. So it's a matter of compromise as well, but also um, priorities. I find uh, having our priorities aligned helps a lot because it, it means that we can focus on what it is that matters, which is you know spending time together as a family or doing fun things or you know reading books or like whatever whatever it is um, you know making our kids feel as though they're growing up in a loving and warm space with parents who you know who really enjoy their company and that sort of stuff. So once we, we really had our priorities set out, it's much easier to first of all let go of the stuff that, that doesn't help uh, promote those priorities and it's also easier to let go of the things that I might want to personally change but they, they help foster that kind of feeling of belonging or being important with the kids. So it's it's a constant sort of juggling act between what works for everyone and what works for individuals I find.
2: Oh, and, I, li- I like that. There's times where you have to do what's best for everyone, and then times maybe where you have to do what's best for one of the individuals in the home, or and hopefully that aligns with everybody else too. But
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's constantly shifting. I find as our kids grow up and as as our you know our, our priorities keep shifting as well.
2: Yeah, well, especially having a, a three and a five year old. That's what you said, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yep, that's right.
2: Wow, yeah, that's my my daughter will be ten in a few months, and my sun turns 3 next month. Okay. Or next right. week, next week actually. So I can I can imagine.
1: <laughs> you know where I'm coming
2: from. Yes, yes, totally. <laughs> so it sounds like a slow home also when we think of productivity or getting things done or being effective or efficient and all these other buzzwords, those are those almost sound like Slow is the opposite of that, but it feels like to me you're saying, no, Slow a slow home is one where you don't feel rushed and we are singling out our priorities so that everybody gets exactly most of the time what they want and hopefully even more than that what they need, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. So – I have a strange relationship with the idea of productivity, to be honest, because it I <laughs> I feel like I I enjoy learning about it. I enjoy seeing how other people structure their days. Like I love listening to your show because it gives me a glimpse into how other people make it work for them. But when I try and I, I still fall into this trap even to this day and I'm learning not to, but it's it's taking me a while to learn a lesson. I um you know, I still try and apply these these broad brushstrokes of productivity and efficiency to my life and the way our life is structured. Because I'm at home with the kids full time, they just don't fit with what I with what I do day to day. I feel like I have to split my day in two almost. Like I get up really early, and that's when I do the bulk of my work. And then during the day, that's when I I'm you know I'm mum full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the evenings, typically I'm so tired that I don't do much, any, much of anything after the kids are asleep, but I feel like the productivity stuff that I learn about and that I enjoy learning about is applied in, you know, between say 4 a.m. and 6.30 a.m. And then um, the slow living priorities, um, you know, focusing on the moment kind of stuff happens in the daylight hours.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and, and to me, so I hear you describing that and I'm thinking who you're somebody who needs to know how to, you know, get the most out of that limited time that you do have first thing before a different role comes up on your your plate for the day, so to speak, you know.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's really a matter of without putting pressure on myself, um maximizing what I can get done in those couple of hours first thing in the morning and then Slipping back into you know my wider worldview philosophy, if you will, um, during yeah during the day when I'm with the kids.
2: So do you feel like when you're doing your you know four, not, well four a.m. to six thirty is that what you said?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Man, I think you may be the earliest riser. No, there's one there's one other person who said three a.m. That I don't know how consistent that was, but you're you're definitely close to being the earliest riser. For sure, okay, <laughs> so so the kids get up at about six thirty or do they get up later than that?
1: It actually depends typically, my daughter will get up later than that, maybe seven if I'm lucky, but our son, who's three, um he gets up any time from about five, so that you know those uh, days yeah it's <laughs> it's it's about being flexible for yeah, me
2: yeah that that's kind of where yeah. I was going. I was thinking, yeah, you know even then, you know, kids get up like I was up this morning at. 5.30, which is kind of, I'm trying to get back into that rhythm, and, and my my three-year-old son <laughs> came out right at six o'clock, and I said, hey, he's like, hey, rubbing his eyes, I said, would you like to <laughs> yeah. lay down on the couch? Yeah. So, I just laid him back down, and he fell asleep again, luckily. Nice. So,
1: yeah. yeah but, those days are just, um, <laughs> the days that you just smile at your kids. <laughs> yeah. Good morning. <laughs>
2: Hey, because he can't do much. My, at least my daughter can ta- can kind of take care of herself a bit, but uh, she tends to sleep in more yeah. before school. Um, but yeah, that f- so 4 o'clock to like 6.30, and it sounds like with the exception of your son, you've kind of g- hopefully got enough of a buffer between you're your finishing up your stuff and able to kind of transition into quote-unquote slowing down for the day, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, sometimes it's a bit of an abrupt um, shift, you know, to go from full-on work mode or writing mode or whatever I've been doing into, yeah, the slow kind of intentional start to my kids' morning. Yeah, sometimes it can be a little bit of a a, a shock to the system.
2: Have you always been that early riser type person or was that maybe something that came along after the kids?
1: It definitely came along after the kids. (laughs) Uh, Definitely. Before um before we had kids I, I was a real night owl. Sometimes I worked till uh till about ten at night with my job and obviously I'd get home and my mind was still buzzing, so I would sometimes not get to bed until like three AM. It was really unhealthy, it wasn't good for me. Um but I was just in that, that cycle of um, you know, late late to bed, late to rise kind of thing. And it was after Ala was born, our daughter was born, I started to I, I just needed that that headspace, you know. When you've got young kids, you just you just don't get it, particularly when you're with them all day every day. So I, I felt this desperate need for a bit of you know headspace. So that's when I started to get up early. And as the kids, as we then had our son, and then he's he's an early riser, always has been. My waking up time just got earlier and earlier and earlier. And this this year, when it started, oh, I think it was last year. Really, I started at four a.m. Like, I can't actually get up any earlier than that. That's my, that's my upper limit.
2: Well, so as that transition kind of happened where you moved from being a night owl and, and being a mum and mm-hmm. uh, moving over to waking earlier and earlier, I assume you started to find it easier to get to bed earlier. But I wonder if, like most people, you resisted it or found yourself saying, oh, I need to relax for a while. I need to – you know, watch TV or I need to, you know, do this or that or, but did you, you, did you eventually give up? Like what's your, what's your evening ritual like?
1: Um, so I did eventually give up. I was always, you know, it was so nice when my husband got home from work, we could sit down once the kids were in bed and we might watch a TV show or, you know, have a cup of tea or a glass of wine or something like that. And I really cherished that. But, um, as I, as I got, sort of more into the, the rhythm of, of waking up early, I realized that I actually really did need my, my seven or eight hours of sleep. So I go to bed embarrassingly early sometimes. <laughs> I All have right. been known to go to bed I'm, with my children. <laughs> which is about when? When is that? You can, <laughs> um, you can share. Can I? Okay. <laughs> uh, 7.30, 8 o'clock.
2: I have done that myself. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're not alone. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, 8 o'clock is, is – well, ideally, in, in an ideal world, my kids go to bed at 8 o'clock. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, I've been in, in bed right after them at about 8 to 8.30 a couple of yep. times, actually a couple of times in the past month and a half or two months. So you're not alone.
1: Oh, good. I'm so glad. I feel – I don't feel quite so <laughs> lame. <laughs> I've just realized that, that personally I just need the sleep. I really do. Um, So we typically, you asked about our sort of evening ritual. Um, My husband doesn't get home until a little later. So the kids and I will have dinner and I'll do bath and books and bed for them. Um, And then depending on how I'm feeling and depending on what time they actually get to sleep, I will either go and maybe read a book for half an hour or have a cup of tea or catch up on social media um, that is a time that I sometimes I try to avoid it but if I haven't had a chance during the day I will um, I will jump on and you know do a bit of work on Facebook or something like that um, but it'll only ever be for ten or fifteen minutes and I always finish the night reading a book um, so that's that's typically how I wind down
2: is it a uh, analog book instead of digital
1: i I vary it's funny oh. actually um, I Typically, read fiction on my iPad on the Kindle app on my iPad. because okay. so I chew through fiction books probably one every two weeks, and um, then anything nonfiction, I'll usually have a like a you know an analog book.
2: I've been waking a lot earlier, and there's still that feeling at night where. They're asleep and I'm just thinking, oh, I have to milk this time for all that it's worth. I need to – anything I want to do, I can do now. I'm not responsible for kids. They're sleeping uh, within reason. I can't leave the house obviously. But uh, um, but then I realize, wait a second. The, I need the sleep. If I'm going to function tomorrow, like it, it, I, this day is over. I'm not going to nearly enjoy anything I do right now as much as I will – doing it tomorrow when I have more sleep or something like that. So actually that kind of comes back around to the putting the priority in
1: place, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And that's still something that I will, I battle with um, myself, you know, I'm like, well, I could really use these extra two hours and I could work through my to-do list and I could do X, Y, and Z. Um, And nine times out of 10, I realize that actually, no, the sleep is going to serve me so much better in the long run. Yeah. But otherwise I might just end up watching two episodes of the walking dead.
2: Now, have you done the thing where, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, and I could never watch that at night. That would, that would freak me out, um, <laughs> I guess, or early in the morning for that yeah. matter. So maybe an exception, though. Have you ever done the thing where, okay, tonight I am tired. However, if I plow through and do two hours of work right now, I get myself ahead or get a project
1: pushed further down to completion, that kind of thing. Have you done that? Yes, I definitely have. Um, I'm just coming out of the, the the other side of a really busy period. Uh, I had to speak at an event and a few other things that were going on at the same time. It was really, really busy, and I did that more than I normally would. Usually, if I am going to work in the evening hours, I won't do anything. I won't write. My brain just isn't in the mm. in the in the right sort of headspace to to write anything that's good. Uh, But I'll do things like maybe put together a presentation or, like I mentioned before, some social media. Just things that I can then maybe tick off tomorrow's list before I go to bed. So it does – I mean there are definitely times where I have to swing towards working more than I possibly would want to in the evening. uh, But that holds me in much better stead the next day.
2: So you'll do some low-energy tasks in the evening, stuff that – If you do it then, it's not going to take you, you know, it wouldn't take you half an hour to do in the morning and two hours at night instead, you know, you'll, you know, it'll still take the same amount of time no matter when you do it. So you'll take the opportunity to do it in the evening instead, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. If I sat down and tried to write a a post in the evening, unless I was struck with an enormous bolt of inspiration, uh, it would just, it would be pretty lackluster and it would take me so long. (laughs)
2: Unless it happens, like, as you're climbing into bed, like like think right. it happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did mention the whole in an ideal world question almost, so I guess I'll ask it now. Uh, we already know you get up really early, but in an <laughs> ideal world, how would you start your day?
1: <laughs> I have to say I'm – I can't tell you how excited I am to hear you ask me that question. <laughs> I've been listening to your show for ages, and I used to think maybe one day, maybe one day I'll be on his show and you'll ask me that question, and then I will. Have, I will have made it, uh, Brooke. This so, is your chance. Yes. Uh, now I wish I had prepared a better answer. Um, I in an so in an ideal world, as my life currently is, I would I would still get up at the same time. My children would sleep till seven thirty, but if I can't control what they do, uh, no. So in an ideal world, I'd I'd wake up at at four. I'd get up um, and have a like a uh, not to sound too you know on trend. I'd have a glass of warm water with something like lemon juice in it, and I'd do uh, twenty minutes of yoga, which I probably do half of my mornings now. Uh, and then I'd have a coffee and jump straight into my um, into my office and I wouldn't check my emails in an ideal world. I would just get straight into writing for maybe 15 minutes, just journaling, having a bit of a, a brain dump. And then I would write my – I've actually been working with the um, Storyline Productivity Planner oh, the last great. few weeks. I've just been experimenting with it. Yeah, it's really good. Yes. It's really – I'm, I'm – uh, I'm always a bit wary of those sorts of things, but um, having read about the reason behind everything that's in the, the planner and um, and how it helps you to structure your not only your day but also your mindset for the day, it's um it's excellent. So I I take you know ten minutes to fill that out for the day, and then I just jump straight into the first project that's listed on the productivity planner, and then ideally I'd have maybe two hours to work on that before breakfast, and then my kids would be up and. I'd uh, change hats.
2: That's great. So there's, there's your answer. I, I think it's completely acceptable. And in fact, you know, you know that some days it
1: happens, some days mm-hmm. it doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. And I really want people to feel okay about that. Particularly, I feel like it's a, a specific set of challenges for um, parents who work at home to to be able to structure their, uh, their their mornings or their their days around that because it's just so changeable. Uh, and I really want people to feel like it's okay to to be flexible and to some days get more done than other days because I feel like there's this struggle between the productivity advice that we all hear, which is all excellent, but it doesn't necessarily apply when you've got a young family um, at home. So I feel like it's it's important for people to, to recognise that, that their challenges are just different.
2: That really comes across in your writing, I think, with, with what I've read. I think that you're very much in the oh, – I'll use the word trenches when it comes to – well see, I was about to use the word balancing, but I know that you've written a whole piece about – you don't really use the word balance, do you?
1: I don't, no. <laughs> let's go into
2: that. Actually, let's go into that in one second. So you're, you're very much in that space, that place, that – context that a lot of our, a lot of my listeners are in here's the best way to put it i had an itunes review where a guy says i don't know if it was a guy but it was somebody and they said he interviews a lot of people who are like bloggers and writers and they have unrealistically large amounts of time on their hands so of course they get stuff done and i'm like um that's not true and i know you're not that way like you you you're a blogger and I mean I'd even say successful blogger. I mean you you're blogging, you spoke at a conference just recently and and among other things, you've got a book out there and and yet you're still you know your priorities and you know that that's all good and great stuff, but your your family and your home and you know the the well-being, you know, functioning and even functioning well enough, maybe not, you know. Anyway, I'm I'm rambling, but uh <laughs> That it's, it's, it is it's a balancing act, or better yet, a tilting act. So what is tilting?
1: Yeah, I came across this idea a couple of years ago uh, on Sarah Wilson's blog, actually. Uh, but it's this idea of tilting rather than balancing. And I've done quite a bit of writing on it and a lot of thinking about it over the last couple of years. So I slackline. I don't know if you know what slacklining is, but it's like a a a low-to-the-ground tightrope, basically. My husband and the kids bought it for me for Mother's Day. Um, it's a two-inch-wide nylon rope that you string between two trees and you balance on it, you know. Um, it's really good for meditation and core strength and everything. So my goal when I'm slacklining is to just be perfectly balanced, standing still on this rope that wobbles around. And to, to be balanced perfectly is to be tense. You know, it's to have every muscle in your body poised at the right, uh, in the right position and at the right sort of tension to keep you in the middle. And I feel like when people try and balance life, you know, work-life balance or whatever sort of balance you're trying to achieve, it's, it's a tension um, that I don't necessarily think is, is helpful because I, I really don't think that you can equally give your time and attention and energy to all areas of life at the same time. And I think it's a really it can be really damaging to try and do that. I know that's been the case for me. Uh, so rather than balance i I tend to think in things uh, in terms of of tilting. So I look at what needs my attention, and today, for example, it could be the kids. they need my attention because they're not well. So I tilt most of my energy towards spending time with them or helping them in whatever it is that they need. And I tilt away from working. Tomorrow, it could be the exact opposite. The kids might be really happy and playing uh, amongst themselves for an hour or two. So I can tilt towards doing the things that I didn't get a chance to do before. I feel like it really, it applies beautifully if you look at it over the long run too. You know, I think people get so caught up in doing like the quote unquote right things all the time. But I think if you if you give yourself a little bit of space, you can look back over the last six months and say, well, you know, over those six months, how do I feel about the amount of time and energy that I've given to my kids or to my spouse or to my work? And I feel like it not to use the word balance, but it sort of it equals out over time when you've got your priorities aligned.
2: Yeah. So even to go back to the whole slack line. Idea, or I mean, you're literally doing it, I'm thinking, and then you're applying it to a metaphor, so I'm talking about it metaphorically. Um, oh, writers and words. Um, <laughs> the idea being that by focusing on balancing, you feel the tension, and so you feel the stress of balancing. But if you focus on tilting and being able to or allowing yourself to do that, you still maintain balance. In other words, you don't fall off the slack line.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right.
2: And then uh, to take the metaphor even further of what you just said is, then you make it to the other side of a certain period of time, the other end of the line, Mm -hmm. and you didn't fall
1: off. Exactly. I love it. I feel like, yeah, and to take it a step further. Oh. (laughs) Ooh. Um, So what controls you on the slack line is your core and your core, if we're looking at it in the same metaphor, your core are your, your priorities and your values.
2: Perfect.
1: Yeah. That was, that
2: was beautiful. Everybody uh, – I mean I'm slow clapping in my head here because <laughs> the mic would pick it up and it would be kind of <laughs> annoying to the listener. But that, it, right, that right there, I mean you, you, I, I believe right now that I have just had somewhat of a perspective change here Ooh. on the podcast. Hear myself as the – I guess I'm called the host. Um, <laughs> so, but here's the thing. So, is there a place where, like, I know that uh, I was very careful when I said get to the other end of the rope or the other end of the line to describe it as a certain period of time because then you turn around or you do a different line or whatever. You know, some people would say, well, the at the end of life, but that's not when you're going to look at it. You're going to look at it over like. You know, almost a review period of, you know, looking back. Do you have any kind of time period where you do that? Like, is it a week? Is it a month? All of the above?
1: Um, yeah, look, I, I definitely do when um, school holidays happen. So in Australia, we've got four four school terms a year. Um, and my daughter, actually both my kids are now in preschool for a day a week. So when they're home for the school holidays, typically I feel like that's a nice cycle in my my year and that's typically when i'll I'll stop and think about what the, the previous term felt like how how things felt as a family unit how the kids are feeling if there's anything that's cropping up that's possibly going to be a problem uh, and also i'll look at my workload as well for me it's a nice way it's built into it that i i have to stop and be more intentional when the school holidays are here because i just don't have um the structure that i would normally have in my regular week so i, I feel like i'm yeah i'm i'm just I'm much more inclined to to stop and look back, so that's about quarterly let's say, and then i'm always kind of asking myself how things are going as well, and i that's for me just a gut check really
2: yeah that's good. What role does your husband play in that, and also do the kids play i mean do you do you, I, I don't suppose you ask the kids, "Hey, so how do you think life at home's going right now <laughs>
1: No, because they'd respond with something like, oh, it's okay, but I really want a new toy. Right. <laughs> and then you um, turn to them and you say priorities. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, which, you know, goes down like a lead balloon. Um, yeah, so, you know, my husband, he and I, are we're really intentional about the way we're raising our kids, but the reality of the situation is that he works, he does work really long hours at the moment, Um, and that's something that eventually we'd like to transition away from, but for the time being, that's, that's kind of what it's, what it's at. So he and I talk about it a lot. We talk about, you know, how life feels and how we feel and how, you know, we feel the kids are developing and if there's anything that, that we need to, to change. Um, and in terms of the kids, one thing that I make sure I do every night is I will sit down and eat dinner with the kids at the dining table, obviously. Um, but I always ask them about their day, you know, what was your favorite part of the day and ask both of them and they'll always have some, you know, some beautiful answer. And then what was your not so favorite part of the day? And I feel like it's a really simple, really quick little thing that I do. And I really enjoy doing it because I, I just love the age that my kids are at now where they're their own little people and, you know, we can have these lovely conversations. But, it also gives me an in to discovering if there's anything amiss or anything that they feel like is lacking or anything that that's upsetting to them, and I, I feel like if there was anything that I, I really needed to to be tilting towards with them, those conversations help shine a light on them.
2: Oh, that's great! Yeah, that that definitely gives you the insight to know.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Or even, you know, as we unfortunately sometimes find out is like, oh, I've been tilting away from you or this mm-hmm. need of yours and suddenly
1: you've made me aware of that. I'm going to have to make sure that I tilt back that way. Exactly. And if kids are going to call it, if anyone's going to call attention to to areas that you're lacking, it's it's my kids. Yes.
2: <laughs> That's great. So priorities like how have you gone through any kind of process? I mean, I know that you've you've written a lot about this and you know again the whole idea of doing the slow home and and having it be just this place where you've focused in on what's essential you've distilled things down to where you're you're not having an excess in areas or at least ideally um, mm-hmm. but in order to pay attention to the most important things but uh, for people out there who maybe have not spent the time to do that, how would you initially suggest to them that they start to do that to move towards more of a peaceful or? See, and I wouldn't even say peaceful is better. I would say, I don't know. What would you say? <laughs> a home where <laughs> a, a home where it can be loud and raucous and fun, but also everybody feels safe and not rushed and feels like they belong.
1: Yeah, that's. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Actually, we really value our um, our, our downtime. Uh, just this past weekend, for example, we didn't get any. You know, typically our weekends we'll have a slow Saturday morning, then we'll do some gardening. We might catch up with some friends in the afternoon, um, and visit family possibly on the Sunday. But there's always a lot of downtime. Uh, you know, we'll snuggle up on the lounge and watch a movie together. And almost every weekend, you'll find us having some kind of nap, which is, <laughs> you know, lovely. It's my favorite part of the weekend. But this past weekend, we didn't. We didn't have that, and it was. It just brought home the point that, uh, you know, we really do prioritize that that time spent together as a family. And when we don't get it, it. I think you become more sensitive to that over time. So I think in terms of people who are wanting to to start, you know, for me it was. It was a process of necessity more than anything. After our second child was born, um, three, almost four years ago, I had really bad postnatal depression. So I went and got treatment and the psychiatrist that I saw was a wonderful woman. Um, I credit her with changing my perspective, which has since changed our life. I was already making some of these these sort of shifts towards simplicity, but um, it was that massive change in life and perspective that came from being diagnosed with depression uh, that that really had the biggest impact so for me it was kind of a necessity where I needed to stop and I was trying to be all things to all people and be you know excellent at all of it and in uh, in reality i wasn 't doing anything well so it was firstly realizing that and then just looking at what I have in life uh, that was the most important and for me it was my family. Uh, and then it was my health, including my mental health, because it would ha- it had been just neglected for, for a long time. Uh, and then it was how do I create a life that will actually support those priorities? For me, it started out with something as simple as decluttering. And I talk about that a lot on my site, but I don't ever want people to feel like that's the one and only answer. For me, it's just like the beginning step. If you're able to clear out some of the clutter, be it mental clutter or you know, clutter in your calendar, if you're saying yes to too many things, too many appointments, uh, too much extra work or responsibilities, if you're able to cut back on some of the excessive stuff that we say yes to, then it becomes clearer, I feel like, it becomes clearer where you want to be putting your energies. So I think that to me, that would be the first step that I would suggest to people to just look at how life currently is and look at where the, the hot spots or the pain points are and figure out how you can simplify those things, even just a little bit, and, and then work from there. And I feel like it's one of those, you know, those, um, those puzzles, like they're in a plastic frame and there's squares and they're, all sort of, they're not in the right order and you need to have one blank square in order to be able to move the, the other pieces around so that you can, you know, create the picture. I felt like once I started to declutter and simplify our stuff and our house, that one square came out and I was able to start shifting things around. So I feel like if you can find that square, that one thing that you can start to remove, then things start to to open up.
2: Oh, that's a great way to put it. I love that idea of pulling that square out and then being able to shift stuff around. Um, it sounds like you're saying, you know, that by immediately getting rid of either physical stuff or or expectation, whether it's from somebody mm-hmm. else or yourself – that that can free you up and and it also maybe gives you a quick win and makes you feel like it's possible.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and I talk about a lot about little wins as well. I mean, people come to me and they say, oh, I, like my house is just crammed full of clutter. I don't know how to start because I'm so overwhelmed. I say, well, don't, don't. – don't try and tackle your garage today. Maybe just go and clean out your handbag or your car or your utensils drawer in the kitchen. Like start with something really small and nail that. And then you've got to win. You know, you are in a better position than the, than you were yesterday. And then tomorrow you can do the same thing again. That's correct. Uh, yeah, and I feel like taking away those expectations of these grand changes overnight is also helpful.
2: So small slow <laughs> winds <laughs> in your home is how it works. Yeah. I love it.
1: Yeah. That's what I would say.
2: Well, I know that we're getting kind of near the end of our time here. You know, we've talked about simplicity and priorities and uh, maybe rhythms. How does mm-hmm. that work? What, what do you, what are your thoughts on maybe rhythms?
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of rhythms and I'm a big fan of rhythms, particularly over instead of routines uh, I feel like routines are, and I know a lot of people will just say that's just semantics. But for me, ru- the idea of routine is that it's very rigid. It's really structured. Um, you know, there's times al- associated with each task when you when you're in the middle of a routine, and if you miss a step or if you if something takes longer than you thought it would, the routine is kind of out of out of whack, and that. I feel like can add to the expectations and the pressure that we put on ourselves. So I stick to the idea of rhythm, which is you look at your, your day, let's say, or your morning uh, and you know what needs to happen uh, and you know when it needs to happen by, but rather than sticking yourself in this really rigid routine, you allow morning to unfold around this rhythm that you've set for yourself and you'll still get everything done that needs to be done, but it gives you a flexibility. So for example, with my morning routine, you know, I've, I've gone through, sorry, my morning rhythm, (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've gone through what would, what my ideal morning would look like. And let's say that that's, that stands, you know, once the kids get up, then it's breakfast time. We have to get ready to, to go out typically. Uh, so, rather than have a, a rigid structured routine of by you know by seven thirty everyone will be dressed, and by eight o 'clock uh, we'll be out the door, I, I just look at my morning and say, "Well, all these things they need to happen, so I need to make lunches, the kids need to have breakfast, we need to get dressed, make the beds, um, you know put a load of washing on or whatever, and rather than put them in a sequence and do them like that for me and the age that my kids are, I guess um, it just helps to to just let the morning unfold and the same things still happen, but it's just a, a much more flexible and positive way for me to structure things. I like I that. If That makes sense. Yeah. yeah.
2: So you still accomplish everything you need to. You're just not holding yourself to the pressure of having to do it the same way every time. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. Well, Brooke, it's been awesome to talk with you. So let's tell people where they can go and they can find you online.
1: Yeah. So, um, my home, um, uh, is, is slow your home, slow dot com, uh, and you can find me on uh, Twitter, which is just at slow your home and Facebook as well. I've got a slow your home page there. And I also have a, I host a, um, a decluttering group if anyone's interested in decluttering on Facebook too, which is um, a really beautiful, supportive group of people.
2: Great. Um, I'll throw links links to all these in the show notes. And uh, everybody let Brooke know how much you appreciate uh, her being on this episode. And Brooke, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. It was great.
2: I hope you enjoyed this episode. I did. I enjoyed making it. I enjoyed listening back to it. And go check out her blog over at slowyourhome.com. And I hope that you go check out Mailchimp. Let them know I sent you. Go to com slash MailChimp. And as a heads up, we've got some pretty big names coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Some returning champions. I don't know if that's the right word, but I will call them champions. Uh, we've got David Allen coming back. We've got Michael Hyatt. We've got Rory Vaden. <laughs> so we've got a number of awesome people and a number of awesome people lined up for the new year. So... If you're not subscribed, if this is your first episode or if, if you are not subscribed in any single way on your phone, on your iTunes, some people have beef with iTunes, but I use it. Go subscribe. Go pass the show on. Now is the time to let people know that this is a place to come and listen and learn how to get your stuff done so that you can have a better life. Again, thanks for listening. I'll see you next episode.